Welcome to the Vorthos Podcast with your host, Matt W. Ruff. Thank you, Bob. So today I'm going to start a multi-part series, which I don't know how long it'll go. It could go for several months. Um, it's the kind of the main topic of what I want to deal with, and it's the church. Now, too many people subconsciously think of the building with the steeple on it as the church. When asked what church you go to, they point to, you know, First Baptist Church, First Presbyterian Church, First Methodist Church, whatever. And that is the beginning of a huge problem. Now, I mean, it's so ingrained in our culture that we go to church. Yet, a consistent scholarly view of not just the Gospels and and the New Testament, but of church history before Constantine points to several major points. There's a strong, I mean, it's hugely overwhelming that they did, that the church did not have a clergy. Okay. No professional. I mean, they had professional Christians. I mean, the apostles did not work probably. Well, Paul did some work as a traveling evangelist on his own. But for the most part, the apostles and deacons were paid probably by the church. So it wasn't that they didn't have people working full time for the church. It's, the number percentage-wise, just think about it. You have them electing, you have the 12 apostles, that's 12, and you have the seven deacons that are appointed. So that's 19. Now, some people probably are independently wealthy even back then, and so you got a few people probably helping out full-time. But in the first week of Peter's preaching in Acts, 5,000 people and then another 3,000. Now, the question is, is that total people or is that just men? Because normally speaking, they didn't count women and children back then. But even if you do, it's still 8,000 people. So 8,000 people being served by 20 people. Now, I don't there are some churches around me that probably have 8,000 technical members, but they don't have 8,000 show up, but, but a few of them. One of them has a staff of $11 million and over 100 people. So 20, 12 of which are apostles, versus $11 million, 100 of people, which... They may have 10 pastors to various things, um, but their packages are totally different than the uh, the packages. There wasn't a package for an apostle. Uh, they got a place to sleep. They got a, you know, food to eat, and that's about it. There's a, definitely one a retirement plan. There wasn't a 401K. There wasn't, wasn't a car allowance. I mean, to be fair, they didn't have cars, okay? Um, but there's a huge discrepancy. So uh, they didn't have church buildings. 
Okay. No church buildings that we know of existed before Constantine. So Frank Biola and George Barna, and you may have the Barna does a lot of uh, surveys. He's one of the big Christian survey companies. But the head of that company is George Barna. They wrote a book called Pagan Christianity that was um, published by Tyndall, and it was released uh, January 17th, which is close to today, in 2008. And it's a must-read book. And there's a quote from inside that that book that is in my quotes. I have a database of quotes that impact me, and it's way up in the top of that list. And it goes like this. However, there is a strong consensus among evangelical scholars, and I would quote probably scholars in general, that the early church did not have a clergy, did not meet in sacred buildings, did not take the Lord's Supper outside of a full meal, it did not have a fixed liturgy. And did not dress up for church meetings. Okay, those five things. In addition, the fact that the modern institutional church derives many of its practices from Greco-Roman paganism cannot be disputed. And that last one should be chilling. Okay? So, not only do the five things he state, the, the building, the clergy the Lord's Supper outside of a full meal, the fixed liturgy, and the dressing up. Not besides those five things, most of our practices derive themselves from paganism. That should be hugely alarming. Now, somebody's wrong in this issue. One of my favorite things when I'm discussing clergy and, and that of, I ask generally people, so what's the, who's the guy in charge at your church? And that almost always, unless they're Catholic, they'll say priest, of course. But my, I don't deal with a lot of Catholics because they're in this whole system that's hard for me to even comprehend. It's so messed up. But and, and yeah, I'm not pro-Catholic. I make no bones about it. I'm not anti-Catholic in a sense. I mean, you can be a Christian and be a Catholic. I don't know how you do that, but I know some that are. So. Uh, and none of them agreed to yet to talk about it. Well, they've talked about it, but they never, they always walk away. But I always tell them to, to ask, I always, my number one question to them is, how many times is the word pastor mentioned in the New Testament? I mean, if you're going to have the head of the, of the modern church based on a position, it should be something that, that you find in the New Testament quite a few times. I mean, you find, you know, baptism, you know, X number of times. So it's not really hard if you, if you have a computer or a phone these days and you go to a place like Bible Gateway and you type in the word in the search, pastor, and you do a search, you're only going to find one verse in almost every translation. One verse. It's Ephesians 4, and it's verse 11. And it's at the end of the list. So Christ himself gave, and I'm reading from the NIV this particular time, 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Okay? So if you go over to, yes, say, the Amplified Bible, and the reason I would say go to Amplified Bible is because it'll add some... um, You'll add some explanations to the, to the words. So let's read it from the Amplified. And I'm reading, I'll, I'll say, you know, what's not in Scripture. I'll use the brackets like, you know, the princes like they do. And princes, his gift to the church were varied and bracket. He himself appointed some as apostles, princes, special messenger representatives, unbracket. Some as prophets, bracket who speaks a new message from God to the people, bracket. Some is evangelist, bracket, who who spread the good news of salvation, bracket, and some is pastors and teachers, princes, to shepherd and guide and instruct. End of bracket, end of verse. Now, there's Five or four positions listed there. And the reason I say five or four, it's it's apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And then some as pastors and teachers. Now, some people say that pastors and teachers is a combination. Pastor is a teacher. Okay, so that's only four positions. Some separate the two. Um, and that's really not valid to my point either way you can, you can go either way with that it doesn't matter to me but that's the only time in the entire new testament the word pastor is used so if you're going to build your whole church structure on a pastor you're you're in a heap you're kind of alone there's one verse and it lists it way down in the pecking order as the saying goes and that's a huge problem and I was I I don't understand I do understand how we get here because people don't like change. Okay? They like a little bit of change but not, you know, drastic change like that. And it it is what it is, is that those people that do that don't want things to change. They don't want somebody questioning the the setup. Now, I live and have always lived in generally big cities. Okay, I was born in a suburb of Dallas, but the suburb still had 100,000 people in it. Uh, My parents did retire to East Texas, and then they lived in the country, So, but I only lived there for about six months in the summer. Um, went to college in Lubbock and Waco, again, fairly big cities. Um, jobs were Houston, Fort Worth, Hot Springs, Arkansas is probably the smallest, but still decent size. Uh, Memphis and then now Nashville. So I come from the city. Now, one of my favorite jokes, and it's actually a true story, when our church was, the reason I was hired to get the uh, technology for the new building they were building. And one of the things the business administrator purchased was a new tractor. 
Well, the tractor showed up and the facilities guy didn't know how to run it. The business manager didn't know how to run it. And then guess what? The IT guy, which was me, technology guy, I'm the only one who knew how to run a tractor because my dad lived on a farm and therefore I knew how to run a tractor. So I found great humor in that fact. But anyway, um, that's just a side note. Um, but if, if Frank is right about the five things, then we've been doing church wrong for all my life and all your parents' life and all your grandparents' life. Okay, It's been wrong for a long, long time. And I would agree it's wrong. I mean, look how many churches are totally pathetic today. I mean, the state says shut down, so they did. They quit going, you know, during this COVID thing. State trumps, you know, in America. We're not talking about some third world country. We're not talking about communism country. We're talking about America. We have a right to free exercise of religion that trumps anything the government does. Suddenly Trump says, oh, protect this virus, which has a deadly rate about equal to the flu. It's hugely more contagious. It is real. A lot of people died from it. A lot of people died from the flu. A lot of people died from other things. Okay. Yet, the churches didn't even, very few churches. You got Dr. John MacArthur's Grace Church in California, who's the one been fighting tooth and nail against, you know, the overbearance of the People's Republic of California. And other than that, there hadn't been many, many. And a lot of them say, no, no, we should, you know, do what they make, you know, they make sense. We shouldn't do that. So I think the church is in huge trouble. One, I worked for a church for seven years. I'm not ignorant of what I speak. I sat on the deacon admin committee because of my position. I was not a voting member of the committee. I was a staff just there to answer questions most of the time, but therefore I heard all the proceedings. They never kicked me out once when they were talking about everything. And payroll is a huge, I mean, church building costs and payroll, those are are your two big things. Everything else is peanuts. And unfortunately, the churches, way too many of, I'm talking again, city churches, but that's where most people are is in cities. They're spending all this money for a building and all this money for a pastor, and it's arranged like corporate America. The senior pastor gets paid the most, and it's everybody gets a percentage of that. And the people, you know, the poor administrative assistants to do all the work are working for peanuts. And I just think that's hugely wrong. Now, I'm not saying person doing the preaching shouldn't get paid I am saying that the whole setup of a a financial structure isn't biblical there is talk about the the workers getting paid in the church in the bible okay and there and there is a verse about a double honor now you have to look up the word search for double honor but what a double honor means in in biblical sense is he gets an honorarium. It's in First Timothy five seventeen. It says and it's concerning elders, which is the proper name for the person. The elders who perform their leadership duties are well 
on duties well are to be considered worthy of a double honor. Now, the Amplify would, would principally its financial support, but the actual Greek weaning of that would be an honorarium, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So there, there's no problem with paying somebody. Now, I'm okay with even a salary. Don't get me wrong. Um, making adjustments for how things were in biblical times to how things are today, certain things have to change. Okay. Back then, nobody, I don't think, made it hardest. I mean, you know, there wasn't the salaries like there are today. You know, you want to hire a mechanic to fix your car. It's, you know, X number of dollars an hour based on, you know, how many hours. That's, that's not how things were done back then. Most everything was paid as it was done. Okay. So things are financially different now. So I, I have no real problem with paying a reasonable salary where, where we can discuss reasonable is people go, well, they, you know, they've got masters and doctorate degrees. Yeah, well, that doesn't prove anything. I mean, most of the stupid people I know have master's and doctorate degrees. Um, some of the smart people have those as well, so it's not a, to be fair, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. But um, this this bit of bringing a business mindset into the church and saying, well, the guy in the corner office is in charge, and therefore he gets paid the most. There's another verse where you pay somebody according to their needs. And that makes a whole lot more sense. Okay. And the reason I say that is this. Let's say the senior pastor is 55 years old. His kids have left home. Does he need a bigger house? Because that's what my pastor did. He sold his big house and bought an even bigger house. Okay. So he had more empty rooms. I mean, seriously. Tim and his wife and a dog, how many bedrooms do you need? Me and my wife just downsize. And we live in a three-bedroom, two-bath condo because I don't like yard work. And it's, what, 1,700 square feet? I mean, so I'm not living high on the hog. This was like a 4,500 square foot house. And he did it purely for financial, you know, bigger house, you know, had bigger entertainment space. I just don't know that he does all that much entertaining, but he may. But is he also wrote books. Now, that's a, that's a whole can of worms with me. A pastor who's a full-time employee of the church writes a book, sells it, goes off on a book tour. He's still being paid by the church. And now he gets all the profits from this book. All his prep work for the book were sermons. Okay. How much does the church get? Well, he gets whatever that he gives him. You know, if he gives a 10% tithe or whatever he decides to give. Totally wrong in my deal. For the most part, the, the members of the church paid for that book. They should get most of the money. I'm not saying they should get all of it, though that would be fine too. I am saying that if a pastor who's making more money than he needs by far, now he's going to get another huge income. And, and please understand, 
you don't need to sell a ton of books to make a ton of money. Now, if you do sell a ton of books, you're going to make a ton of money. I mean, the richest working person in England. Okay. Well, in in the United Kingdom, because Scotland is no other than the writer of the Harry Potter series, J.K. Rowling. She went from literally living on food stamps and welfare to being the richest woman in the United Kingdom worth over a billion pounds. And all she did was write some brilliant, entertaining books. And I'm not anti-J.K. Rowling in any way, shape, or form. We'll discuss that at some point in time, maybe, but uh, I'm just using that purely as an analogy. You can make a lot of money. So they get to work. They get to, they get, they get to make money off their sermons and they get money again off the, the book. And I just don't think that's right. I think, um, most of the churches, I don't know. I mean, I've never seen a detailed breakdown and to be quite honest, I'm not really interested in it, but it would be interesting to see a detailed breakdown of where the pastor's salary and benefits put him in context of the the entire church body. Now, I know the youth director made little, and he had, if he didn't have parents that helped him, I don't know what he had done. I mean, he bought a house, and, you know, they had kids, and, you know, that's, that's when, you know, that's where the expense is. Youth director, I mean, they get paid, it's quite little. So, I don't think we structure our salaries worth a darn. Um, but then again, I don't, and I'm not totally against buildings. If you're going to have a building, use it. And for the most part, when I was there, at least we used the building big time and we donated and there was a church, there was a school that rented most of the educational space, you know, so we, there was income from that, which was good, but there's also being used. And then, we had, you know, activities and we let the, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and various other groups use the building for, for as little as we could justify and sometimes free. So that was a good thing. But having a, the trouble with most churches, if you do a, if they're businessmen, they do an analogy of, of how they use their property. It's terrible. The biggest church in my area their utilization is, is terrible. I mean, if you take out the night hours, it's still below 10%. Nobody would buy, no business would buy a piece of of equipment or a building that they could only use 10% of the time. They would lease it. You know, let's say they got a, you know, a heavy rush during, you know, Christmas holiday. And they need more delivery vehicles only during the month of November, December. You don't go and buy a car and then let it sit for 10 months. You rent that vehicle to handle the, the surge. And then when it's done, you get rid of it. Not churches. They buy a building and just let it sit idle all the time. And they don't have, a lot of them don't have schools in them, which is a shame. But for the next several probably months, we're going to talk about the church 
and I will tell my story of, you know, my pastoral abuse that I entailed that started me on this journey. Um, and I'm thankful for that in the long run because I don't, I think I have stayed in the, the, I think I'd had the blinders permanently pulled over my eyes otherwise because nobody teaches this stuff. Anyway, so that's what we're going to deal with is the church. I want to go back to the quote, and I want to go to another quote, actually. Church buildings. Okay. In the process of replacing the old religion, Christianity became a religion, so says Alexander Schuderman, 20th century Eastern Orthodox priest, teacher, and writer. Uh, Many contemporary Christians have a love affair with brick and mortar. That's just the way it is. They, 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 they give to a building project. Yet, there is not one bit of scripture about building a building. Not one. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it on occasions. I really mean to. If you're going to do it, do it, but do it and build it in such a way that you're going to use the building. Make the utilization make sense in a business sense because it's a huge expense. And the church is not a building. The church is its members. That's where the time and attention should be put, and it's not. Okay? In our, the church where I was on staff, we had a pretty limited Sunday school. To be quite honest, the kids had Sunday school, but the adults had very limited choices because all they cared about was the sermon and the worship service. They'd come for their you know hour and a half, and that was it. Most did not go to Sunday. Now they did start, and that was good. A home fellowship group, which is in a lot of ways that's the church. They're doing all the work. They 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 get very little money from the church. But they're doing all the work. They're doing the teaching. They're doing the, the taking care of the people. They're doing it all in home fellowship groups. And it doesn't cost hardly anything at all. So you're spending all this money for all that other stuff, and, and the home fellowship group is really the church. And that's the way it is in any good church. We want on because you can't you can't know that many people. I mean, I'm not one to always quote uh, psychology and sociology. Uh, but there's just some basic facts that are truthful about, and there's a limit to how many people you can deal with and know and, and end up be, be friends with. And it's a very small number. Okay. Your close friend should be generally less than 10. Now you can have lots of acquaintances, but depending on your job, you know, how much you move around, you know, how much, you, how many different people you interact with, but a small home fellowship group of, you know, 20, Roughly, it could be 30, it could be 15, you know. That is much more intimate and can be dealt with. And to be quite honest, they're much more likely to get a lot of things done. Yet, they don't have any, they don't have hardly any budget. They get a little, probably, curriculum help, and that's about it. But that's, that's, that's where the real church is. And my theory is, instead of wasting all the money on the buildings and wasting all the money on overpaid pastors... 
because in my church there there were usually several overpaid pastors. To be quite honest, you get rid of all of uh, several of them, and the church wouldn't miss them if you moved to a, a better model. But um, then you take that money and use it to help your people that need the help and to missions. I mean, most churches giving to missions is limited, like in the Baptist church, you know, the big, the two big pushes for the, the Annie Armstrong and the other one, the Easter, you know, missions budgets. That's where that's all they're limited, but it's, it's, and they give a percentage, you know, I think it's 10%. So if people are giving 10%, then that's the church is in giving 10%. You know, that means 1% is going to what the great commission, which is the whole purpose of the, of the process. And it's just a terrible thing as far as I'm concerned, but we'll get all into it over the next several months. And that's pretty much it for tonight. Today's broadcast. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Vorthos Podcast. Visit Vorthos.net for more information. That's Vorthos, V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net. You may follow at Vorthos on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on the Vorthos Podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Vorthos Podcast. Any content provided by Matt or our guest are their opinion and not intended to malign or insult anyone or anything. Matt W. Ruff can be reached at mattwruff at forthos.net. That's M-A-T-T-W-R-U-F-F at V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net.